Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I want you to take a moment with me and consider the butterfly. Specifically, the monarch butterfly. You may have seen these bright orange and black creatures floating around a California garden. Their wings are almost aglow and patterned like a stained glass window. When the monarch lands on a flower, she uncoils her long proboscis, basically a tongue, to sip on the plant's nectar. Then she floats from flower to flower to repeat the process. And as she does that, she carries pollen with her, completing an essential task in our ecosystem. Now, most monarchs live just a few weeks, but every fall, a generation is born that gets a lot more time. And they have an important mission, migrate. Some travel more than 2,000 miles. For an animal that weighs no more than a paperclip, that's a remarkable journey. Now, here's the bad news. In the 1980s, there were millions of monarch butterfly sightings in California every year. But in 2020, there were fewer than 2,000. The monarchs are in danger. This news got the attention of a Bay Curious listener, Aaliyah, who asked, what's happening to the monarchs and how can we, as humans, help? Her question won a public voting round on baycurious.org, and today we're going to bring you some answers. I'm Olivia Allen Price. This is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast. With an S. Thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
So what's going on with the Western monarch butterfly? Producer Amanda Stupai went to the gardens at Lake Merritt looking for answers. But this one's there's a lot of monarchs flying around. Oh, wow. This is their... I'm with Brooke Levin and Tora Rocha looking for butterflies. A lot of people know that bees play an important role in pollination and how plants reproduce. It's less well known that butterflies do the same thing. I would see there's one sunning on the bottom of that branch right there. Yeah. Rocha got interested in butterflies while working for the city of Oakland. She used to landscape its parks. She realized over a decade ago that a lot of the things her crews did to make parks safe and tidy for visitors were bad for the creatures living there. I realized that my landscape practices were destroying habitat for pollinators. And pollinators are crucial to the food chain. They help plants reproduce and are a source of food for larger animals. Rocha decided to shift her practices to create habitat for creatures like bees and monarch butterflies. They're mating right there oh, yep. in front of us. She shows me a patch of milkweed. It's a plant with long, flat, smooth leaves that are a vibrant green color. You know, the milkweed is sort of the cruising zone. The males just cruise around it waiting for a female to come in. Rocha co-founded a nonprofit called the Pollinator Posse that offers training and resources to people who want to protect pollinators, like the monarch butterflies. She says monarchs are the flashy ambassador for pollinators, which is fine by her. It's all the pollinators. Like, once you help one pollinator, you're really helping them all. And a lot of people don't realize how much humans are hurting pollinators. So we can't let the monarchs go because it means we're failing the rest of the pollinators. That once the pollinators go, the songbirds go. Then the songbirds go, guess what? And the bees go, we're all gone. Because you can have food. The last couple of years have been scary for monarch lovers. In 2020, observers counted fewer than 2,000 monarchs along California's coast. That's scary low. In the 1980s, there were millions. And even stranger, the butterfly's behavior seems to be changing. We saw monarchs breeding throughout the year. My 37 years working in the parks in Oakland never saw monarchs in May or June in this garden mating or doing anything like that. Normally, monarchs show up in the fall, mate, and rest, what's called overwintering, then take off again in the spring. But recently, Bay Area residents have been seeing caterpillars and butterflies year-round. And what is folks' best guess or hypothesis at this point as to why that's happening? That's the controversy. Rocha says scientists aren't sure what's going on. But some think if the monarch population dips too low, monarchs will give up migrating altogether. One thing is for sure, monarchs still need help. Loss of habitat, pesticides, and climate change are all threatening this beautiful bug. If we're willing to let an iconic species die, then we've really messed up. But helping is trickier than it seems. For years, well-meaning folks would raise monarchs in their homes or backyards. I was guilty of it. I reared a ton, you know, and I thought I was doing the right thing. Maybe you even raised monarchs in your elementary school classroom. But raising monarchs is actually illegal, just like it's illegal to raise any wild animal. You have to have a permit. You have to be trained and have a permit to raise wildlife in your house. People thought because they were insects, they didn't count. 
state regulators are starting to crack down on people raising monarchs. And just as important to Rocha, rearing monarchs might not be helping the species after all. The problem with rearing them is if you rear them indoors, they don't get the cues from nature to know what part of the migration they are. Some experts think caterpillars raised by humans aren't as hardy as their wild counterparts. They could even genetically weaken the species. There are two proven ways people can help pollinators like monarchs, and they're legal. A big one is making your garden pollinator-friendly by growing nectar plants. That's what adult monarchs, bees, and hummingbirds eat. But plants have to be pesticide-free. Ask the nurseries the hard questions, because they'll tell us we use pesticides because no one wants to buy a plant that has aphids. Well, we want to see aphids because that means it hasn't been sprayed. Monarch caterpillars, on the other hand, only eat milkweed. Rocha says it really should be the native variety, not the tropical kind. That's because native milkweed goes dormant in the winter, which reinforces the monarch's traditional migration pattern. And tropical milkweed can increase the spread of a deadly parasite that kills monarchs. We need to plant more native plants and more nectar plants in the winter here in the Bay Area for the monarchs, and um, we need to be gentler on the landscape. For Rocha, that means in part banning harmful pesticides called neonicotinoids. Europe has already banned them. We're so far behind. Neonicotinoids can stay in plants and in the soil for 10 years, killing pollinators along the way. Nurseries use it because they only have to spray it once. And it's just cheap, you know, on overhead for them. Rocha says the other big thing you can do to help Western monarchs is count them. You know, we need to look into more observation. We just don't have the answers. This can be as simple as filling out an online form when you see caterpillars or butterflies. Or you can volunteer to collect data with other butterfly helpers at places like Children's Fairyland in Oakland. So if I talk to you like I'm talking to first graders, it's not because I'm trying to be a for the meeting. This is Jackie Salas. She's in charge of the gardens at Children's Fairyland and has teamed up with Terry Smith of the Pollinator Posse to train volunteers how to identify monarch eggs and caterpillars. So we're not going to be moving any eggs or caterpillars. We're just going to be identifying what's going on on the plants that we have. Citizen scientists like these volunteers collect the data researchers all over the country will use to keep tabs on population health and patterns. You can see it. It's so tiny, though. Oh my gosh, yeah. You see it? Yeah, that, that's one of the eggs. Without the information these volunteers are collecting, scientists wouldn't know where monarchs go or which habitat to target for restoration. Tora Rocha says, in the world of butterflies, citizen scientists have made a big impact. Scientists didn't know where monarchs went in the winter. It was citizen science that tagged them and found them in Mexico. These volunteers are committed. They come out once a week searching for tiny, almost invisible specks on stems and leaves. Rocha is inspired by the passion of citizen scientists working to save pollinators like the monarchs. I can't be any prouder than just sitting here watching them flutter by and knowing that, you know, we started this in 2011 and that they're still here. Recently, monarch enthusiasts got some hopeful news. This year, the winter monarch population is way up from the dismal 2020 numbers. Early estimates show more than 200,000 butterflies overwintering along California's coast. 
but one good year doesn't spell relief for the monarchs. Their long-term survival still hangs in the balance. That story was by Amanda Stupai. If you want to learn more about supporting the monarchs, like how to make your garden friendly to pollinators or how to get involved in the science, head over to baycurious.org or click the link in our show notes. Thanks to listener Aaliyah for asking this week's question. And thanks to you all for selecting it in our public voting round. There's a new voting round up on our website, baycurious.org. We're considering questions about light pollution, the ban on arcade games in Alameda, and what types of animals once flourished in the Bay. Cast your vote for what we should report on next at baycurious.org. Bay Curious is made by Katrina Schwartz, Sebastian Mino Buccelli, Brendan Willard, and me, Olivia Allen Price. We're a production of KQED Public Media in San Francisco. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just... What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.